Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Simulcast on Stadium 32.3 or and on 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. Phone lines will be open for two hours. Didn't have a lot of time for phone lines yesterday. Very much enjoyed talking UL basketball history with our friend Rich Jinks, and we'll Nailed down the top 10 today. We haven't got much LSU basketball call or many at all this week. It's, if we get a flurry of that, we'll do that. If not, we might put that by the wayside. Also enjoyed talking with Luke Johnson yesterday about the Saints. There's never enough time. You know, we typically do two segments with Luke, and, and it's always well. I only got to like 50% of the questions I was going to ask him, but that's just the way it goes. I mean, um, try to be somewhat respectful of people's times. But, um, but no, he, he will we'll go over today a few of the things that I thought were interesting that he said or uh, some of it. I don't, you know, sometimes I disagree with what he says. I don't know that there was a whole lot yesterday, but just – Interesting things to, to look forward to as we move on. It is a glorious Friday. The good thing is the Astros played a day game yesterday. So um, didn't have to go into the night, you know, till 1030 or so, which they play to sometimes. And then tonight is begins a West Coast trip. Now, the good news about that is tomorrow's game is like a 3-10 or whatever, 3-something start, and then Sunday is a 3-something start, and then they have two more night games um, in the land of the MVPs. Um, but tonight's going to be late. I'm already feeling kind of sluggish. I don't know why. Maybe it's just because it's the end of the week. So it's going to be a challenge tonight. Hopefully um, they play well. We'll see. The Toronto Blue Jays, how, how are they doing on their little West Coast trip? The Toronto Blue Jays, they got beat two out of three in Oakland, and then they got hammered by the Mariners last night, who, I've been telling y'all about the Mariners, got to 500 last night and only three games out of the wild card. Yes, we are, and I am, we really like the whole 8-2, 8-3 oh, yeah. score. It's like our That's thing a good now. score. That's a good score. <laughs> That's a good. That's a good one to do. Oh yeah, good score. That's how I saw five hundred this morning. I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, the um, the Blue Jays are reeling, and again, I don't really have anything against the Blue Jays. I I, I don't have anything against the Rays. The Red Sox have become too much like the Yankees, so I have a little more against the Red Sox. Although historically, I I kind of like the Red Sox. Um. 
But I just don't like this 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 elitist national media, and it's not just the national media. You hear it locally too. This idea that all three wild cards are going to come out of the East, and that's a done deal. Well, it might happen. They're all good, but it's not a done deal. They people need to get that wipe that out of their minds because the Mariners are going to win a lot of games the second half of the season. I'm just convinced of that. Well, I'm glad you're convinced that I am too. And Ty France is coming back. They yeah. have better pitching than a lot of these teams. And they, you know, their pitching is underachieved so far. But I still think the talent is there. You know, Gilbert is really good. Robbie Ray has not had a good first half, but he won the Cy Young last year for the first time. He wasn't going to have this tremendous season. That wasn't going to happen. And uh, but but he's pitched better of late. Uh, Gonzalez is is frustrating. That's who beat the Blue Jays last night. He's mm-hmm. frustrated. He's hard to. He's just a frustrating pitcher to hit against. So I think and, and Flexen has been on fire lately. And so I really like their pitching. Their bullpen was fabulous last year. It hadn't been as good this year, but the potential is there, and they got a lot of options in the pit. I oh, think yeah. you're in good I, shape. I think we are in good shape. Do I? Is there a chance we might be getting a wild card? There's still a chance because, like I said, there's our teams that are in the wild card and teams that are right outside of it are all constantly changing on if they're being good or if they're being bad. Yeah. So it's it's going to be a a, a toss up type thing for the. I end. think I, I don't know what to think of the Guardians, but their problem is, and I, I don't pay attention to them on a daily basis. So I I guess I didn't really, I probably heard it at the time, but it didn't register. Like they had a stretch apparently six weeks or so ago where they just got a bunch of rain out. So they've been having to play doubleheader after doubleheader. It's hard yeah. to do that. It's hard enough to keep your bullpen fresh. When you're not playing any doubleheaders, if you just don't have a day off for a week and a half, it's hard to keep your bullpen fresh. But when you got to play doubleheaders, it's it's virtually impossible. So they they play. I I, I say before anybody, before I'm I, I'm kind of making an assessment on whether I think they're going to be a threat long term. Let's let them get past the All Star break without all these doubleheaders killing their bullpen, and then we'll see what they can do yeah. because they have good pitching too. I think you're going to see more of kind of the, the field to play after the All-Star break. Right now, it's, we're still getting to the halfway point, and everyone's fluctuating. Like, the Astros are doing well, and so are the Yankees, but, like, everyone else is kind of fluctuating a little bit. So I think once the All-Star break is comes to a, you know, fruition, and we have that, I think that's going to help out in realizing who is sitting where and what kind of actual – you know, mobility and right. especially and it, the bullpen. Right. And, and it's else. it's already started, but in about a week from now, the 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 trade deadline rumors are really gonna start. And you know, Seattle made a trade last year that was very unpopular. And the funny thing about it is the two main guys in the trade didn't end up making huge impact and and it may turn out that the biggest impact of everyone in the trade is Rafael Montero who has just been fabulous for the Astros this year and pitched great again yesterday so I just hope the Blue Jays I love when the East Coast teams go out west and they struggle and then and I'm like well I've been doing this most of my life cat I don't want to hear you little crying (laughs) I don't want to hear you little crying about going out west on a, on your little one West Coast trip all season. I've been doing this, you know, Since probably <laughs> a quarter of the season for most of the last 50 years. Yeah, I'm just, I'm waiting. I say a sweep. Like we've only swept a team maybe maybe a couple of times, but, like, we've been doing this whole 
you win the first two games and you lose the last one, or you win the first game, lose the second game, win the third game. I, I'm not tired of all this two out of three. I Man, need three out of three. getting greedy. The, I see the, like one or two. I guess I guess the A's. Well, we I always have to lose a game against the A's well, every single it time. It's frustrating, but I, the the only thing reason why I say you're gonna have a tough time doing that, even though I I've been trumpeting the Mariners' chances for a while now, um, is they've lost six out of seven. I mean, man, how many are they gonna lose? Because they lost three in a row to the Rays before they started their West Coast trip. So the Blue Jays have now lost six out of seven. Could be tough for them to lose. What would that be? Eight out of nine, but you never know. Uh, look, them West Coast trips can mess you up. They can they can mess you up for sure. So, and and they've got some hitters that are starting to come out of it and some pitchers. So we'll see. All right, the game hotline seven zero six zero one one one. Again, if you would like to get in, we will. We when we talked to Rich Jinx yesterday, we talked a lot of Cajun basketball, but we got we, we didn't really get to the UNO era of Cajun basketball. And so we'll do some of that today as we finalize uh what is this? Week five of our footnote summer project, college basketball. Um, I've been debating whether to do the NFL and the Saints, obviously, as part of the NFL or the primary part of it. Next week or the week after, and, and I'm leaning towards pretty, sh- I pretty much decide it's going to be next week. So uh, I've been going back and forth on that for the last week or so uh, in my mind, and I I think it'll it'll kind of get us going. I've been fighting it and fighting it and fighting it, and it's more me needing to get my mind straight regenerated, refreshed, whatever word you want to use during the summer after a long, long, long school year. Um, from, you know, high school and and uh, Cajuns. Um, and, but what is today, the 8th? I mean, by the time, you know, we spend a weekend, we come back on, Monday, it, it, we're going to be sniffing the middle of July. Like, it's crazy. Like a week from today is July 15th. That'll be birthday from my oldest daughter, Taylor. And, um, yeah, that's going to be – we're going to be in the middle of July a week from now. So it, I, I guess I need to stop fighting it. So I, I'm thinking – uh, next week, it'd be a good week to kind of really get our NFL juices flowing. And Saint nothing. Saints, there are very few things Saints fans like talking about, I've learned over the years, and especially being one, is is the history and all the rough losses and bad days. And, and the, that really helps you to um, – that really helps to – in my mind, appreciate what you've got going right now. And it's um, it's very, very good right now. And hopefully it could be better if they can get some breaks. So we'll, we'll, we'll do NFL uh, week six. We'll, we'll, we'll do NFL, especially the Saints, next week for our Footnote Summer Project. But also, in addition to that, kind of start looking at the NFL teams and the seasons and the players. And, you know, it's... 
again, it's getting close. I've been trying to push it off, push it off, push it off, and I've mostly been successful. But we had uh, two good segments with Luke yesterday, kind of, and it's, you know, I got to stop fighting because so many people are just chomping at the bit, and I'm like, oh, give me a break. But, oh, okay, we'll, 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 we'll kind of kick off the football season next week here and kind of talking about it a little more when I've been trying not to because yeah, I, I need a break. We have, of live air radio days, we have 13 days until training camp starts. Man, 13. Yep. 18 total days with, you know, weekends. But of us being on the radio, we have 13 days until the veterans, which meaning everyone, comes to training camp. It's kind of depressing. But anyway, it is what it is. So got to face reality. All right, we'll take a timeout. Again, phone lines will be open for all the, both hours today. So feel free to talk. If you want to jump the gun and start talking football now, certainly feel free to several issues that we can discuss and big things that happen. Uh, this week, including our old friend Baker Mayfield going to the Arnolds. But, uh, again, phone lines will be open. We'll take a timeout. The game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. July eighth, two 2014. Germany defeats Brazil 7-1 in the FIFA World Cup semifinals as Miroslav Klose breaks the World Cup record with 16 goals. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on uh, the game. 103.7 Live here, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you, we would like for you to win an Apple Watch. The game, 103.7 Live here, 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with an Apple Watch. And you sim- all to become eligible to win, all you have to do is join our brand new text club. Simply text GAME, G-A-M-E, to 337-288-8100. Text GAME to 288-8100. That will make you eligible to win an Apple Watch. In addition to all kind of other great prizes, including Astro tickets. It's the GAME Text Club. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 104thegame.com today. All right, so... I think I heard tonight we're going to find out, like, starters in the um, for the All-Star game. We're going to find out full teams, I believe, Sunday evening. So when we come back next week, we'll, you'll, you'll know who's going to be in the All-Star game. I um, do not ever watch the Pro Bowl. I don't watch the NBA All-Star game anymore, even though I used to do both of those growing up. But I, I still enjoy the baseball All-Star game. I try to watch the like the home run derby. I am um you know me, I, I don't want El Pedro Grande to be in it, but he probably will be. 
it's going to be in, um, I think it's at Dodger Stadium this year, which is not exactly like a home run hitting ball. Like a, It's pretty neutral, but uh, it's probably a little. They normally have real good pitching, and a lot of times the ball doesn't carry there at night. So it's not like, a you know, not like doing it in Cincinnati or Colorado or someplace like that. But it's um, it'll be interesting to see they 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 rave. I've seen it before. Plans are to go see the Astros a week from now. So if we get there earlier, they might be able to see El Pedro Grande doing some batting practice. Blum and those guys talk quite a bit about how you know he puts on these displays in batting practice. I'm sure he does, but um. I don't know. You know me. I'd rather him just kind of be off. And it's a little tr- little trickier for the Astros this year because remember, and the Yankees, remember they're going to be, um, when a lot of people in the league, a lot of teams in the league are going to be off the Thursday after the All-Star break, the Astros were going to be playing a doubleheader against the Yankees. Um, so that's going to be... Um, That's going to be trickier in terms of being out in L.A. and then get you know getting getting back and getting focused and getting ready to play a doubleheader against the Yankees on two you know on the Thursday. So a little little little, little tricky there. I'm wondering if that could impact some Astro and Yankee decisions as far as whether they play or whether they participate in those kind of things and how much rest they're going to get. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Morning, Foot. How's it going? Oh, you know, it's going okay. You know, you you, you got to be loving it. The little Red Sox can't catch pop-ups. <laughs> I mean, oh, it, it's unbelievable you know, how in the major league pop-ups could fall in the infield. Ooh, man. Was it, that guy couldn't catch that. It's like right there. Guess, guess, I guess a bird took it. I bumped it in there. But you know, it, it, it made me it made me remember, and I've thought about this quite a few times as the season goes on. Um, a lot of people thought Rizzo was going to the Red Sox, and when when he ended up going to the Yankees, it's amazing how much of a difference that's made for both of those teams. Because first base has been a problem for the Red Sox for years. Him not going to the Red Sox, which a lot of people were convinced was going to happen, that is a huge move. For both teams. That was the best move he ever made in his career and in his life. And Man. he knew it. He knew it. See, it goes to show you, everybody want to be part of a winning organization. Everybody want to be winners, but nobody want to be losers. That's why they leave the ugly socks to come to the Yankees. You, hey, look, I agree with you. I don't believe a Yankee. That should be a rule. The Yankee, a Yankee player should never oh, play for the Red Sox. And vice versa. should never happen. Ever. But I do believe vice versa. No. A Red Sox should come to a winning organization like Babe Ruth did. You know, if Judge would go to the Mets or to the Ugly Sox, I think we're going to pass that rule and it's, nobody can do it. it I think no, got to right go there. both ways. You got to respect the rivalry. If not, the rivalry is just phony. It's a sham. No, I, I can't because I'm all about winning. I don't want the other team to win. But about if, my team. If you're a Yankee win. fan, you shouldn't even you you shouldn't want a Red Sox to help you win. I mean, we, we, no, it's not about them helping. We make, we make. No, it means you have. It means you can't. No, no, it means you can't win without a Red Sox on your team. We 
win with it. We 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 take we we. I mean, that's what happened with Wade Boggs and, and with Roger point. Clemens. If you, if you from a loser and make them if you can't win without a Red Sox on your team, just admit it, and vice versa. I'm not just saying this one way. That should <laughs> never happen ever. I remember I years ago. I, I remember I don't like you. My, go ahead. I don't like my players going to a team I don't like. I don't care if they play if they good players come to my team. I, I have no problem with it because that means they want to be a winner. If you leave the Yankees and you want to go be part of some Red Sox, that means you want to be a loser to me. I think you're just a dumb player. I don't I mean, know. They to get like look Darryl in the last Darryl two Darryl, decades they've done the World Series with they've the done Mets more than you and then came to the Yankees and won the World Series. Smart man. No. No, no foot. I've been down and out because of that. You know, I'm sick, but you know, I have. I've been listening, but I haven't heard from Martin yet. Calling the shows, maybe I missed it. No, he, he called but, yesterday, I believe, or he, he certainly called in the last two days. Oh, okay, I, I definitely must build up. No, he, no, he, he, um, he certainly relished that Pirates victory over the Yankees. Yeah, he had texted me something. Yeah. Uh, I was out of it. He, he relished know. that. Well, you know, but I want to say this. I'll leave him with this. We won. But you said how it is about traveling to the West Coast is the same way when you travel to the East at Yankee Stadium. Just ask the ugly Sox fans. Every time they play us on the East, whether we go to they left Fenway Park or they come to Yankee Stadium, we own them. And we about to put that Yankee cap and jersey on. Well, no Yankees, I'll leave it as that foot. All right. Take care. All right. Hope you feel better, sir. Oh, thank you. Uh, you know, it's like for years, all through the 80s and 90s, people would say, oh, you say you hate him, but you know you would, people would say, you know you would love if Bill Walsh would come to the Saints and Joe Montana and Jerry Rice said, no, I'd rather lose than win with them. Really, I would. I'd rather lose than win with them. It took longer than we wanted. But the Saints won a Super Bowl. They didn't need the 49ers' help. They didn't need the Cheaters' help. They won it on their own. I, I'd rather I'd rather lose and win with those people. That's why, you know, when the Cowboys got Bill Porcell, Stalin to coach him, I mean, that, that's just that was disgraceful. Like. And what made it worse is, I mean, he had a few winning seasons, but they didn't even win. Like, you just sold your soul to your supposed team that you hate. And and, and they didn't even win. It's like, just how dirty do you feel when that happens? Just awful. I'd rather lose than win with them. And, and, I, and, and if it's a true rivalry, like ESPN, everybody tries to build up, if it's not a sham rivalry, then why you got players and ain't going on both teams? That that's awful. Awful. No, I'd rather I'd rather I'd rather lose and win with cheaters. Now, I'm talking I'm not talking about any cheater. Like, you know, you get some backup that come that that, you know, Harley, you know, played one or two years. He, you know, most people in the country don't even know their names, and they come over to your team and the other team's not going to get credit for it. I'm talking about the guys that um, I'm talking about the guys who are well known, and you, um, 
you know, you're going to get, you're, you're going to, well, you had to win with them. Just sickening. Just sickening. All right. Uh, I had heard about this and forgot to uh, mention it. But, um, and, you know, it's way down the road. But just, it's food for thought and it's something to, I think it's a good thing. We've had a lot of issues between, you know, the athletic administrations of the Cajuns and, and Louisiana Tech. And it was announced, um, I don't know, shortly after 9 o'clock, 20 or 30 minutes ago, that uh, officially that the Cajuns will play Louisiana Tech in Ruston in 2026, which is, you know, again, a long way away, I know. But just the fact that they're talking and agreed and then they and then Tech will come back to Cajun Field in 2029. I, it's it's in my opinion ridiculous. They should be playing. I don't know that they'd have to play every year, but to go three years and and Tech and UL not play one time in football, I think it's just silly. It's just so much of the silliness. Uh, and again, in, in my mind. Well, first of all, that's a good thing. So congratulations to all involved that um, they made that happen. I know it's a long – I mean, who knows? I mean, 2029, who knows what college football or college sports is even going to look like. So it's a long way away. I get that. And um, But just just the fact that they are – they they talked and they agreed to this. It's cool. yeah, to, to talk about the series, they've played 87 times. And, and you know, to, to an old historic rivalry like that with a lot of great victories on both sides. Tech has 48 wins. The Cajuns have 33 wins. Um, and and then only um, – and six ties, which – don't you just hate ties? I don't – I don't like them, but I'd rather – I'd still rather tie than lose. So – I don't hate ties as much as some people, but I hate it when you when you talk about records and stuff. But, but no, it's a it's a great old rivalry. Some great games uh, over the years, and some of the best wins in, that I remember growing up as a kid, as well as the most loss, uh, worst losses um, from from decades ago, were around Louisiana Tech. So, no, it's great that they're playing. Great, good news. Good to hear that. Um, you know, it's okay playing schools like New Mexico State, Ohio. Uh, where did the Cajuns go? They went to Ohio. They went to some other school in the Midwest. You know, they played Liberty which last year, which is was an experience, and the Cajuns played great and was against a guy who some people thought were going to go in the first round but didn't. Um, but... I mean, some people thought that cat was going in the top ten, but um, but in some ways, I've always thought it was a little silly. I mean, you, you're not going to play teams in your own state, and it's not. I'm not saying it was all the Cajuns' fault. I, I think a lot of it was just Tech had this elitist attitude for so long. Um, but it, it, it there's some silliness in that. So I think it's a great idea, great thing should happen. You don't have to play every year. But to go as long as they have without playing, it's just it just silly. That's all I could say. Silly. And like I've always said, and and my stance is based more 
on the the mega the power five conferences, but it applies to mid majors too. This whole tech UL thing is just another example of you, you got to sometimes you have to save people from themselves. And so my whole notion is I think that if college football, I'm not talking about all the other sports, just football, college football needs to get to the point where they have an independent um, organization or panel or committee or whatever that decides to get. You don't decide who you play. You're told who you play each year. And, and when you play them. And, uh, you know, they want to be like pro sports, and that's part of it. You don't get to decide, you know, unless you're like, you know, the Patriots, and, you know, they all, they had the easiest schedule every year for years, so they probably had a little say-so on that. But but technically they did it. And so, no, I, hopefully you get, you know, if you had this independent thing, you say, look, this is silly. Tech and UL should be playing one another. And, man, you don't have to play every year, but – we're going to play a certain amount of times every 10 years. And uh, they, they would have made that happen. You have to be able to save people from themselves. And um, I think it's a good idea. So good news there. All right, let's take a time out. We'll come back and review where we are on our top 10 Cajun and on our college basketball week and get to some other NFL and baseball issues before we leave on this Friday Footnotes on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Sign up right now for the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com so you can score tickets, gift certificates, and more. This is the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Live at 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. And again, we are still very much in transition mode. Uh, what are we about a week and a half away from the all-star break? And so we talking more baseball, a lot of baseball around that time, but also it'll be time for where we'll be within a week of like training camp going on. So we're kind of remain in that transition phase and we will see how that plays out the all-star break and all the trade rumors and, um, I was joking, but, you know, some of it was joking, but some of it was serious with uh, when I interviewed Luke yesterday. You know, Andrew Benintendi's a guy who, to our conversation with Paul recently, a couple, you know, several minutes ago, um, ex-Red Sox player, hit the league by storm, and it was, was really good in 18 and he's not really been good since then. Uh, this year, he's back to hitting over 300, very consistent. A lot of people feel like the Yan- he's going to go to the Yankees. But, uh, man, I don't, you know, I'm wanting to get him away from the Yankees and get him out of the American League. 
Uh, and, and the Brewers do need offense. So I think it makes a lot of sense, whether it's Benintendi or someone else that needs some pop. Um, the Mets need bats. Some people have talked Nelson Cruz to the Mets. Could work. Nelson Cruz is really getting old. Uh, you know, I've been an admirer of him. You know, he was in the Astros division for years. And hard to get him out. But, you know. The cat's in his 40s. I mean, it, it, you know, you wonder at some point you would think he's going to hit a wall, Nelson Cruz. But, um, you know, th- there's some there's some hitters out there that definitely uh, teams like the Mets and the Brewers and the, and the Yankees are going to be going after. The Yankees lineup is very good, but they could certainly use a more consistent outfielder. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about how they have this outfielder who used to play for the Rangers who never he he's he uh he strikes out way too much. He does other things well. He actually started that rally last night, stole a base last night. For a big guy, you would you wouldn't think he would be as good defensively as he is, and you wouldn't think that he could steal bases, which he can. But um so no, it, we'll, we'll, it, that, that's gonna that, that talk is coming and it's kind of there, but it'll it'll get more hot and heavy as we get closer to the trade deadline. Speaking of trades, we we brought this up. Well, Raymond brought it up when he was talking with Bob Nightingale yesterday. The idea of trading Mike Trout, you know, three years ago, just to pick a number. I wonder how many fans of the Angels, they would have just been crazy. Like, there's just no way you could trade Mike Trout. What? Trade Mike Trout? But at what? I I don't know if you've noticed it. And maybe I'm putting too much emphasis on a few scenarios. But it sure seems to me that Trout is starting to lose his patience. Well, for one, he's not as good. I don't think he's as good. He's a lot easier. He's always been fairly easy for the Astros to get out. But he, to me, it's a lot easier for him to get out now than it used, than it used to be. Plus, I, I think as time goes on, loyalty is loyalty. But, I mean, it's got to be frustrating. Like, they, it, just, they, it just never seems to change there. So if you're an Angel fan now, seems like you got to be to the point where, like, we never make the playoffs with this guy. What does it hurt if we trade him? Like, you, you know, I understand we love individuals in this me society we have. We put the individual over the team all the time, Player fans do. But, I mean, what good does it do to have this player on your team if you never make the playoffs? So... I think it makes total sense that they would, uh, that the Angels would trade him. Before we get to some phone calls, I want to remind you Astro Giveaway 3 on July the 30th. The Astros will be playing the Mariners. It's a Saturday. Who knows what the Mariners' record will be by then? Uh, but anyway, they will um, be in Houston. And if you would like to win four tickets to that game, as well as hotel accommodations and a tour of Minute Maid Park, you need to get 
registered if you're not already with the game clubhouse and if you are you might win this great astro weekend getaway package powered by butcher air conditioning la meridian houston downtown and the game southwest louisiana sports station all right let's go back to the game hotline hello Kevin. yes sir Training camp can't come fast enough, man. Oh, no. I'm trying to push it off as much as I can. You're trying to push it off for what? For my mental sanity. Uh, Kevin, you've been having a problem with that for 20, 20 30 years. <laughs> that ain't going to help nothing. You keep pushing it off. <laughs> no Peter, push nothing off. Oh, you gotta, I got to relax. <laughs> we don't want to push nothing off. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to do about this Baker Mayfield thing, man? Now we got to deal with him, your buddy Tommy. I mean, what are you gonna do about that? Well, Baker Mayfield is with. I want to crush them people, man. Yeah, well, I would love. I always want to crush him. I can't stand him, but, uh, but no. I mean, I think he's a average to slightly above average quarterback, and he's a guy that if you put a good team around him, he can he can perform fairly well. I mean, he's slow and he's short, and he you know he he gambles too much and. I mean, he he's one of them guys that you gotta have a really good running game, and you and you gotta have, and play great defense. And if you do that, you can win with him. He's not that different than Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, guess who's worried about him now? Who? Guess who's worried about him now? Being our division. Who? Take a guess. Paul. Of course. Well, again, worry is what. Look. Look, I've, I've been worried. This is a worry. I've been worried for mo- a lot of the last two years that Deshaun Watson was going there. Now, I'd much rather the Arnolds get Baker Mayfield than Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson can win games. Baker Mayfield's just, he can lose games, but he's not going to win you many by himself. Yeah, yeah. I just hope we crush him. Oh, man, I hope we crush him. I always want to crush him. I just can't wait for football. I mean, baseball is really it's, it's getting good right now, Kevin. It's getting good. Like you said, All-Stars coming up, too, and that stress run will be great this year, I believe. I believe that. I, I think I can hear some. I can hear you and Paul right now. Oh, I can man. hear y'all right now. But football, you can't push it off, Kevin. It can't come fast enough. It just can't. Oh, I'm ready for some football. It needs to this crawl. is the first time I've been so anxious for some football in a while. You know, it's been a while since all the crazy stuff goes on in the NFL. You know how the NFL works. Sometimes you get tired of them. They burn you out. But I'm ready, Kevin. I'm ready. I might not even go to Rockefeller tomorrow, Kevin. I'm ready. The man's fired up. No, you're not alone. You're not alone. Stop being scared of everybody, Paul. You got to beat them people. I'm surprised he's so scared being a Yankee fan. He's supposed to have the biggest chest out there, but he always worried about somebody else coming in our division. I told him yesterday, put brainwash you good, man. You brainwash your good. <laughs> All right. Bye, Take care. <laughs> I mean, again, I, I don't like good players coming in my division, but 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 Baker Mayfield's just average. I mean, he's just average. He he's not gonna now, again, if they get they're not that bad defensively most of the time. They're pretty good. Especially against a run. Now, at times their cornerbacks are iffy. I still can't believe they don't have an elite tight end. They never seem to do that. And 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 they totally misuse McCaffrey, but I knew that from the beginning, and I, I'm glad they did. Um But um No, he, he's not a difference maker. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Come on and foot. 
Man, y'all, I, y'all, I don't know if there are any first basemen out there, but y'all need to get one. Uh, we need a lot of things, man. But uh, I, I wasn't able to catch the first 30 minutes of your show. I don't know what Paul said or whatnot. But, hey, the better team won last night. You know, I ain't going to blame uh well, you could have you could have yeah. had a great comeback, but you got to catch pop ups. But you know, first base has been a problem for a while for the Red Sox. I yes, mean, they got to get that addressed. I mean, we need yeah. a first baseman. I mean, we need uh, maybe another arm or two in the bullpen. I think. Certainly. Uh, but uh, I'm not gonna get mad and not call to show him and blame it on the umps. The Yankees are the umps. As, as much as Paul don't want to uh, want to admit to the Yankees are the umps, that's why I call them the New York umpires. That's funny. Uh, but but I wanted to come in uh, talk a little football with you, man. Y'all looking for a running back, huh? Oh, I'd love to have Just one, think. yes, sir. Wait, say come again. I'd love to have one, yes, sir. Well, a few years ago, y'all could have. Picked up a real, a real extraordinary running back by the name of Eliza Mitchell. That was there for the pickings, man. Just think what well, that team would, would y'all be with Elijah. I, I think he's a better running back than a uh, Z28, man. He come from the greatest high school in the world, man. He rap hard, <laughs> Bobcat. Well, you know, look, I, mean, I, I would have. The guy I, has a good head. The guy has a good work ethic. He's got a good head on his shoulders. Y'all ain't got to worry about him causing drama. The guy. I, I know the guy. He's a good guy, man. But uh, always, I say, man, if he if he could have went with the Saints, you know, I, I'd take him over Zeke any day because I, I want that trash off uh, off of my Cowboys. That dude ain't no – that man ain't no good. But, man, I think if it, this could have been uh, – I mean, Elijah had a good season last year with the, with the, uh, with the Cheetahs, like you call them. Um, but, uh, man, if the Saints would have him right now, man, he could really make well, a name certainly, I certainly would have uh, enjoyed if the Saints had, had drafted him. But, again, what was he, a fifth or sixth-round pick? I mean, a lot of people passed on him. It's just a lot of mistakes were made in, in that in uh, on Elijah and his assessment. So we'll see. We'll see how it happens. He's yes. had some injury issues as well. And I'd really like to get someone that's that's going to be healthy. And, when they, and they need someone who's going to be healthy if and when that happens. But we'll see. I appreciate the call. Yes. Good luck to your Red Sox tonight. Have a good weekend, Foot. All right. Take Go care. You too. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Finish out the first hour. Next on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse if you have not joined yet. It's free, it's simple. So sign up today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Put you in position to win such great prizes as Astro tickets, Mr. Lesser Steakhouse, $150 gift certificate there, or $50. Gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen. Any of those great prizes you can't win if you don't join the clubhouse. So do it today. All right. So in the next hour, we're going to finish off our college basketball, give you a few more memories of Cajun basketball and do a top 10 there. And then we are um, also give you some thoughts about the Saints from our conversation yesterday with Luke and uh, you know Rockefeller's not along. I, I hear like, oh, I can't wait, man, I can't wait to football. The the, the problem, like I, we go through this every year. 
the problem with I can't wait, I can't wait till football starts, I can't wait till football starts, and when you start that in early July is, okay, you get to late July and camp starts, and at the very beginning of August, colleges report, and then you still have like a whole month to six weeks before a game is played. So it's like, to me, there's no satisfaction there. It's like... All you do, okay, you're, you're, you're hurrying up so you could try to get to football season, camp start, and then you still got another, in the NFL, another six weeks before you actually play a game. So the anticipation just gets worse and worse and worse. I just, I just don't get that satisfaction. Now, for, if you're just what I affectionately call football neo, well, then – if you just like football and you don't like baseball or basketball or other sports, well, then I understand it's it's all worth it, all that waiting. But if but if you're still into like baseball, like I am, and a lot of um, you know Yankee fans and Braves fans and Cardinal fans and Astro fans or Red Sox fans, if you're still into baseball, then it's not all that satisfying to just hurry up so you can wait more. So that's kind of why I I just. Plus, professionally, I need to rest my little mind. All right, that's it for one hour. One more hour for this week. We'll do that after this timeout on the game. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome Back to footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can watch us on the simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. On this glorious Friday morning. Glorious because the Astros, I don't know how they did it, but they beat the Royals three out of four, even though the Royals just, I thought, you know, they hit the ball they, great. They they scored more runs in that series, even before yesterday's game, than the Astros had given up in a series all year long. You know, the mighty Kansas City Royals. Uh, couldn't get them out. The good thing was the Royals pitchers are not very good. Fortunately, and the Astros relievers, for the most part, got the Royals out. The starting pitchers got crushed. Um, even yesterday, it seemed like every time I looked up, they, the Royals had runners on second and third and one out or no out. I mean, it's just crazy. They pick a guy off third base and they still give up a two out single to Nicky Lopez. Nicky Lopez. So frustrating. I, I'm just so glad Astros don't have to play the Royals again until next year. Very, very, very thankful. And look, the Astros went, what, 5-2 and two against them. But, man, everything's just a struggle against this team. So very thankful to go 5-2 and two against a team that you really couldn't get out very often. Uh, so that was, that was they, they were very fortunate. And, uh, you know, who knows what the Royals are going to do from here on out. I, I would think the Royals are going to be very depressed today because they don't get to hit against the Astros. Uh, anymore, but um, we'll see how how that how they play out. I mean, they, they again, it's hard to win when you don't have pitching. Their bullpen walks batters. They lead the league in walks among bullpens. Their starting pitching 
had a few nice moments, but for the most part hasn't been good. So hard to win without pitching. But man, they they were they had a lot of tough outs uh, in that four game series. But fortunately, the Astros were able to find a way to win three games. And Altuve had a big, and that you know it all most of it happened all in one inning. <clears throat> Altuve had a two run homer. Candy yesterday. Martin Maldonado, who, who I'll call Candy, um, he was on base every time. I think he got three hits and and a walk. Got a big double before Altuve's two-run homer to tie the game. And then El Pedro Grande. Look, we're not even to the all-star break yet. And they started a couple nights ago with the MVP chance. And then last night they started with the – or yesterday afternoon they started with the MVP chance, and then he hits a home run to give him the lead. It's going to be the whole second half with these MVP chants. But, look, I heard Nick talk to Raymond, and, and he's right. And I want – look, I want Judge to win the MVP. Um, or if they want to give it to – I think the I think the novelty of Otani has kind of worn off a little bit. And and so because he plays for the Yankees and, and if they win the division, which, you know, every reason to believe they're going to uh, at this point um, – Judge will win it, and that's fine. I don't want El Perro to win it. I, I want him to 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 be to put up the numbers worthy of it, and to feel spurned, and to have a chip on his shoulder going into next season. That's what I want, and continue to try to get better. Which is it's it'll be hard for him to get much better than he is right now. Just off to a fabulous, fabulous start. So we'll see how. All of that plays out. Astros going to play the A's. They cannot get Elvis Andrus out. Anytime baseball gets Elvis Andrus out, I, I certainly I will appreciate any anything baseball can do to get Elvis Andrus out this weekend. I will certainly certainly appreciate it. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, sweet. Uh, I didn't want to call back, but I know you were uh, pressed for time when I just called. I want to bring up one more thing, man. Did you see the other day what um? What the uh, Nets were asking for Kevin Durant from the Timberwolves? Well, I've I've heard quite a bit of probably more than I would like uh, of the Kevin Garnett stuff. I, I the thing about Kevin Garnett is why would you want him? Like I heard a discussion on a national show earlier today where like one of the guys was like the the Pelicans ought to get him, but like why would you give up Ingram, who's like ten years younger, for? Duran, who's old and injury prone, yeah. and is a problem. Like I, I, I don't, and, I don't and get it. And he's a it. crybaby. Yeah. And he, 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 they wanted, they, they, they wanted Carl Anthony Towns, uh, Anthony Edwards, and four, four first round draft picks for the man. He ain't worth that, man. He, he's not worth. So you basically telling me you want me to, you wanted me to destroy my team. To, to get an old, sensitive, that, that, injured player. That, that, that hadn't, yeah, but my my thoughts right now. I think Durant, when the season starts, I think he 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 don't go nowhere and he 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 stays on the, on the net because they ask him way too much. I I, I don't. I mean, uh, he's gonna either sit out or he's just gonna have to shut up and, and play. Look, man, I don't. Uh, no, uh, I don't blame the Nets. Drama. I don't blame the Nets. For asking a lot, again, he's an he's an historically elite player. But 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 if you got things rolling in the right direction, 
You know, the only one that I, if they could really pull it off is the Miami Heat, maybe. I could see it. But but even the yeah. Phoenix Suns, if you get rid yeah. of all your su- supporting cast and you have an old Chris Paul and an old Durant, like, and I know Booker's young, but Paul is injury prone, Durant's injury prone. I mean, you're asking for serious trouble. I don't. I, well, who's 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 to say they don't ask for for Booker and uh well they DeAndre can Ayton. they can yes, ask, I mean, they, they, they can, can ask for Booker but they ain't getting him so they can forget that they can forget yeah I, I think he ends up staying on the Nets and uh, the soap opera in uh in Brooklyn continues man I mean it's gonna be an enjoyable thing to watch but uh, I appreciate you taking my call again and uh uh you need to go fishing with Rockefeller man. Oh, I know that. I've been needing to do that a long time. <laughs> That's a good man, bro. I can yep. tell by oh, just I know. the man. Oh, the man can fish, no question. Yankee, so oh, he's yeah. always a friend of mine. I'm a good one for Thank you. Well, he does He does do all that, so that's good. All right. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. Talk to Luke yesterday, if, and if you, if you uh, by the way, if you missed it, you know that you can go back and if you have Twitter, we 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 tweet them out, and you can go back and listen to the show. And if you if you are a Cajun basketball fan from yesteryear, seventies, eighties, nineties, or a Saints fan, and you missed yesterday's show, you want to go back and and either go to the website or or go to Twitter and 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 um, and click on it and listen to it. It was, you know, it went, I thought yesterday's show went very well, especially if you're an old school Cajun basketball fan, you'd want to hear that. And if you're a Saints fan, um, as far as Luke, he obviously, um, his perception is the Saints are a little higher on Cesar Ruiz than a lot of the fans are. And the point that he made was that if the Saints were really as down on Cesar Ruiz, they would be more aggressive going get another guard. Now, you still need depth at the offensive line position. And I think Landon Young is a, one of the points I was getting to, and I think he agreed, was I think the Saints are a little higher on the p- potential, on the future of Landon Young than a lot of Saints fans are. And Luke's point was, he was drafted, what, in the sixth round as an offensive tackle out of Kentucky and did pretty well. He even started a game and did and held his own. Uh, he's obviously not going to be a starter unless something really bad happens. But, but, um, but, but Luke's point was hopefully in camp, Landon Young can become a guard option, can learn maybe how to play guard and not just be a tackle, have that flexibility, and that could help the Saints from a backup, from an offensive line depth position. Because, again, when, when, when you talk about this is the best roster, which I've said quite a few times, for, you need some front-end elite talent to say that a roster is really, really good historically for a franchise. But you also need depth. So, <clears throat> you know, we discussed yesterday with Luke the two areas where they might not have as much depth that they could need are really three areas. One is running back. You know, we've been talking about, I've been talking about that for 
over a year. And again, even if I want to make this point again, because I think it's kind of gotten lost in some of the con- the shuffle of these conversations. I was saying the Saints need running back depth even before he went to Las Vegas and even before he he missed some games with injury. Like, has something to do with if he plays all 17 games next year and never gets suspended in this coming season, they still need running back depth. Because, again, I don't want a Z28 Ferrari, whatever little analogy you want to use, I don't want that to become a dump truck. You need to treat him like what he is. You don't want him to do too much dirty work because then they become on the injured list and you got nothing because you made him into a dump truck to do all the dirty work. That's what big physical guys are for. I'm not saying he can't run inside. Run him inside some. But you don't want to make the guy a dump truck. I, I just, I, I, I still cannot believe what the Arnolds did with Christian McCaffrey. I've never understood it. It's craziness to me. And you, you, they played him way too much, and he's constantly hurt. It's stupid. Um, and that you know, I, I have no faith that Mark Ingram is going to be healthy and ready to go for when they play. So they need, they need that. The other position, I, I feel okay with the offensive line depth, but it could use some some work. And again, Landon Young being able to become versatile and play guard, it, it could go a long way in that in that direction. The other one is linebacker. Luke was a little unsure about the depth at linebacker. Luke did not seem to hold out much hope that Quan Alexander is going to play for the Saints this year, which is not the end of the world. It would be nice. I would like it for the depth part of it. Like what? Which is what we're discussing right now. But understand, I think I think some Saints fans still miss this a little bit. The Saints don't play with three linebackers. They don't really play a four-three. It's almost they're constantly in a hybrid setup. And so for them, they're very and a lot of plays they only have one linebacker on the field. But hardly ever do they have more than two linebackers on the field, and maybe never. Like, the way they play, it's like, whether it's Chauncey Garner-Johnson or P.J. Williams or whomever, they're basically like another linebacker, essentially. Uh, And and so, you, you don't need that many linebackers in the way that they play defense right now. Not as many as you needed in the past. Certainly not as many you needed way back when in the Dome Patrol 3-4 when you you know you needed you know five or six really good linebackers to have depth. That it, it, it football is different now, and so I, I'm may if one of those guys get hurt could have some issues. No question. So depth at linebacker is an issue. No question, it is an issue. Um, it's w- definitely one of the positions where they could use a little more, especially if Luke is accurate and Quan's really not signing. Quan is not in their plan, so we'll see how that plays out. I, I, I'm fine with the defensive line depth. He is still very high. Like ev- almost everybody that watched him practice, that covered practice in training camp last year, and saw him play in the few games that he played in, very high on Peyton Turner. Now, with that said, 
Luke even admitted yesterday, it, everything we're saying about Peyton Turner right now is exactly what we said about Davenport, you know, two and three years ago, and really even last year. Um, I think they're both enormously talented. And if, 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 we know all about ifs, but if they both stay healthy, I think they're going to both make a lot of big plays this year. Like, I really enjoy, like and am excited about the depth on the defensive line, ecstatic about the depth in the secondary. And, um, and the one position that the Saints haven't had much depth on in, in a long time is wide receiver. You could argue ever. <laughs> I mean, it's never been a great position for the Saints, even when they had an elite player here and there. But um, I, you could argue that the depth at wide receiver right now is better than, than the depth at wide receiver has ever been for the Saints, ever. You could argue that. Um, and same way in the secondary. And so... Again, very exciting. No question. It's very exciting. So we'll see. But no, those are some of the interesting things that we discussed yesterday. He was also very, speaking of the secondary, more than just cornerback, he seen, Luke seemed very high on the depth at safety. And so if the thing, if the potential issues with Marcus May or the fears about Marcus May come realized, in other words, he could get suspended because he, he got a DUI even before Mighty Mouse got his last year and he went, played the entire year with the Jets. We didn't play all year, but he was on the roster for the Jets all year long and didn't get suspended. And now the Saints have to suffer the suspension, it looks like. So besides the suspension... And besides, you know, maybe him being new or injured, uh, he likes the depth with Evans and Thompson and even P.J. Williams is effectively a backup safety. So uh, he likes the depth at safety position. Some people love smoke money. I just don't see how he's going to make this team. But anyway, the depth at safety is also very, 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 very encouraging. So a lot of good things that came out of that kind of get the hopes up. Um for the start of camp and going into the NFL season from a Saints perspective. All right, we'll take a timeout on footnotes. Come back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Are you fluent in footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The cheaters. Cheaters. The famed hated rival that beat the New Orleans Saints and others so many times in the 80s and 90s by cheating. Also known as the San Francisco 49ers. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lavia, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Going to remind you uh, what are we, about a week and a half away from SEC Media Days? Um, the 103, the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles will be heading to Atlanta for the SEC media ga- days. RP3 will be going. Uh, Miguez will be going for crunch time. There will be broadcasting 
uh, from, for Crunch Time and Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the College Football Hall of Fame for SEC Media Day coverage in Atlanta, presented to you by Border Law Furniture. We will be on this show. We'll be doing daily updates and interviews about what's going on uh, with RP3. Matt will be broadcasting live and be providing updates. Um, with, with Jar- on the Jordy Holtberg show. So lots of coverage from SEC Media Days to kick off the 2022 college football season in Atlanta from the game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. All right. Uh, we do need to finish off the um, our, our week of college football. And the, you never know how it's going to turn out. I've been doing these for a couple, over two decades now. Some weeks, like last week, was fabulous. Uh, we had 40-something suggestions for high school football and, and had a tough time narrowing it down to 10. And this week, pretty much the only response we got was from Cajun basketball. And so we'll kind of confine our, um, our focus uh, on today on that. We, uh, Rich Jinks did a good job of you know, hitting some of the big games in the 70s, certainly in the 80s, and even um, Mint did a, a great job of explaining the frustration of that NCAA tournament loss to Tennessee in 2000 in Birmingham. But the one era that we didn't hit on enough, in my opinion, was the, the late 80s and into the 90s, the, the Tim Floyd... UNL era and it was a very frustrating era era of Cajun basketball because if basketball was played officiated then like it is now the Cajuns would have a lot more wins against UNO they played basket they played football on the basketball court very much like the NBA was played in the 90s uh, with with Tim Floyd and UNO, they were allowed to grab and hold and push. The Cajuns then were a finesse team. Coach Fletcher's idea was, at a mid-major, you need to recruit shooters. And so they recruited shooters, guys like Byron Starks and Tony Moore and Kevin Brooks. And they were more on the finesse side. So when they played a UNO team coached by Tim Floyd, they struggled. Uh, not that they never won. They won a few. Sidney Grider was in there. Sidney Grider had the memorable night at UNO where he hit a bunch of threes and they beat him. But a lot of frustrating losses because the Cajuns were not as good at playing football on the basketball court as UNO was. And then, of course, Tim Floyd was allowed to, you know, be on the court and, you know, all of that. It was, it was, it was a fierce rivalry, no question. Um, and so take your pick. I mean, I don't even know how to rank the UNO. I, I hated Tim Floyd and UNO so much. And, and um, the first date I ever had with Michelle, who is now my wife of 30 years, we celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary last month. That had a lot to do with, you know, the re, the impetus for, for going to Asia on the cruise. Early January or actually mid-January 1990, was our first date. It was at a UL-UNO basketball game at the Cajun Dome. I was um, still hadn't given up basketball yet. Let's put it that way. And 
And when I say give up basketball, what I'm talking about is where you live and die with it like I do the Saints and the Astros. And so I was still living and dying very much with Cajun basketball in that era. And they were playing UNO that night. The Cajuns lost 89 to 87 in overtime. And during the game, I would, I, 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 as I've explained before, going back to the Blackham days, I explained very often I would leave my seat and go have to explain to the officials what they were doing wrong. And I did that. And back then I wore a watch. And I was just, I don't know, two or three rows from the, we were sitting probably 10 or 12 rows up, but I was like down like two or three rows. And I swung my arm to make a point and my watch flew off and flew on onto the court. Not while they were playing, but like to the edge of the court. And so as the funny story goes, I went and got it and people that were around Michelle were like asking him, are you okay? <laughs> are you going to be okay? Oh, it's so funny. Uh, we survived. I mean, dated for like two years, got married, been married for 30. So it worked out, but she certainly got a good in- introduction. I remember we went to a UNO game one time, Big Dave and I. You've, those of you who don't know Big Dave, we talk about him here and there. Uh, did many radio shows with him o- over the years. Talk a lot of sports with Big Dave. And Big Dave and I drove down to UNO Lakefront Arena one time one year to watch the Cajuns play UNO. And, of course, they were cheating for UNO like they always did. And um, so I start screaming at the official. So a cop comes, and he says something like, sir, you need to you need to calm down. And I said, sir, you need to go tell them to stop cheating for Tim Floyd. Something like that. And Big Dave grabs me and pulls me. And he says, we're going to go to jail. You're going to get us thrown in jail. Oh, did we laugh about that for years? Funny, funny, funny. But no, take your pick. 87, 80, 89, 87 in overtime that year. Uh, they lost, they went to UNO, lost 70 to 66 in that game. I mean, Tim Floyd was always on the court, and they had the gall to, to give Marty Fletcher a technical for being on the court. It was just unbelievable how they cheated for Tim Floyd. Um, it really, it really was. 1996. The Cajuns lost in overtime, 66-62, in the regular, the last game of the regular season. And then they played UNO in the first game of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, got beat 75-71 in overtime, back-to-back overtime losses to the cheating privateers. Unbelievable. No, it's just incredible frustration. It w- I, most people didn't care, but I still, you know, it's a lifelong thing. So when the Cajuns finally, you know, they dominated UNO in basketball over the last 20 years. So at, a, at some point in that era, the Cajuns actually overtook UNO in the all-time series record, and that was, that, was a, that was a great thing. Let's put it that way. So I don't know. Take your pick. Any of those UNO losses, we can put it like 9 and 10. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Well, hello. This is Menard. Hey, how you doing? Well, your wife should get. You should bring her on a cruise to Asia <laughs> for all she had to put up with. Uh, anyway, uh, so I got my like my own little summer project there, Mister Foot. Uh huh. And and on my project, I've been rewatching the Saints. You know, play this season, and I got to tell you, I I when I look at all the people that they got rid of, I don't think I'm going to miss a single one of them. 
okay? Especially, like, everybody, Marcus Williams was so good. Yeah, well, I don't think anybody's ever going to holler. Well, if Marcus Williams had been here, we would have made that play, or we would have tackled that guy. I mean, that guy was terrible, Kevin. He was terrible. No, I can't agree. I can't agree on that. I can't agree with that. He's not Uh, terrible. Well, go look at the DK Metcalf play last year. Uh, among a bunch of other ones, but I mean, that's just one that just, you know, stuck out in my craw again on top of the other the other plays where he That's did, a fair point. A no, that was a bad play. Your, that was a bad play. You're right. Huh? That was a bad play. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he, he was famous for a lot of those. But anyway, when you talk about the linebacking position, uh, Warner is actually a really good linebacker and a really good compliment to. Uh, to to uh, Mr. Davis. Oh no and, no! I, I think they're set at starters. We're talking about backups. Yeah. Well, th- well, you got look. You got to realize now you're talking about backups. So when you're talking about backups, Caden Ellis is a very capable backup. He he he's come in and played a lot of time. He's getting better every year. And you know if something happens and you have to go that route, you you have depth at linebacker. It, where we're where, where they're where they're lacking is is like you said running back and and tight end you know we, let's talk about, I mean a tight end situation is nothing right now is is completely all question marks uh, we don't even know if we have a starting tight end much less backups and to me those two positions are going to be the the real positions that have to be where questions have to be answered and and one other thing. If if we if we still have Traquan Smith on that roster when the season starts, we're not as good at wide receiver as we're hoping we were. Okay, this guy cannot have a position on that football team and have any chance of getting on the football field and have any chance of affecting a play, and us being able to say the Saints being able to say that they're you know they're where I think they are, which is I believe they're going to win the division. I think they're going to win 12 games and, you know, at least 12 or 13 Well, games I mean, it depends. Look, I, I, I don't think Traquan's on the, on the minds of a lot of Saints players. I don't think there's any way Traquan's going to be a number one, number two, or number three receiver or number four. Now, could you say, could he end up having a good camp and becoming the number five receiver? Yeah, I think that's possible because, again, he does a lot of things well. He has experience. He blocks well. I could maybe see him that. I don't really think it's going to happen, but but I think it's but possible. Think I think that's possible. But, but, but think about that. You got a guy that you drafted in the third round, and I don't know how many years he's been there now. I mean, but but you're talking about making him the number five wide receiver – the, the, they're guys. You got you got uh, Marquez Callaway. You got the kid coming in from Nickel State of uh, this Dixon guy. That no, I agree. Like There's a lot of guys they like. They like the free agent guy from Weber State who ain't gonna make the team, but they like him. They like this married guy who's kind of yeah. like a a new Ty Montgomery who can play wide receiver and running back. No, I'm telling you, they've got more depth there than they've ever had in the history of. The, this is the best roster the Saints have ever had, ever. I'm I telling. Think, I think I, I I agree with you, and, yeah. and uh, you know, I I like the I like the offensive line. I thought it was time to get rid of Taron Armstead. I, I, I like Malcolm Jenkins, and I look when when other people were saying Ah, Malcolm Jenkins wasn't any good when we let him go the first time. I was like, man, what what what, what football games are y'all watching? 
But Malcolm Jenkins was, you know, it was time for him to retire. And Aaron Armstead, I, I, I'm so glad to see him gone. Go, you know, I mean, that man never averaged more than ten games. He, I think, he averaged like under ten games a season as a as a player, and he wasn't getting any younger. No, I, I, so, I, I, I get it. No, it, look, I, I, they got to dig the running back situation. I uh, will address tight end later, but, but, but I, I mean, I'll address tight end later. But you, your your points about them all being question marks are totally fair. So I, I think a lot of people can be pleasantly surprised about the tight end play this year. But again, I'm I'm a so. glass half full guy. I hope so. Yes. Yeah. I mean, maybe you know, you, you, look, you see the talent, the the kid from Akron. What's his name? Yes, Troutman. The, huh? Troutman. Yeah, Troutman. You see the talent. It's just like, can you please put it together, son, yes. on an NFL football field? Could you just please put it together, hold on to the football when you make a great catch, you know, do do it and make make the easy catches when the ball hits you dead in the hands. Right. Look, I'm going to say say this about about uh what about uh the quarterback of uh, oh help me out. Winston. Uh, the one with huh? With Jameis. Okay. Right. Jameis, Jameis may not have the accuracy of Drew Brees, but that guy throws a great pass, and he had. He, and look, he's way more talented he, than he's given credit for, no question. But I, I got to get to another it, call. Okay, all right, all right. Th- thanks Thank for the call. No, look, I, I'm Jameis is again, like I said, I said that a year ago. He's not even in my top five of questions or concerns. I, I'm not even worried about Jameis, other than being healthy. I'm worried about everybody being healthy. Let's go. Uh, no, we don't. We I, we don't really have time for another call in this segment. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back and we'll get back to the phone lines. Um, we'll get more. We got a long time to talk about the Saints. When I will address the tight end position. All right, we'll take a timeout. Come back on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Kevin Foote, an award-winning journalist, popular sports talk show host, and a man who apparently moonlights as a doctor. A medicine season of a different strand in 12, obviously, because the criminal commissioner decided to inflict them with with the, the whole bounty gate silliness. His descriptions of illnesses are extremely concise. A normal strand of a medicine season. It was a different strand. This out of the blue from Timbuktu and all of this bounty gate silliness. Dr. Foot is ready to write a prescription for what ails your favorite team here with more footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, one oh the game one oh three seven Lavia one oh four one Lake Charles. We'd like to hook you up with a new Apple Watch. All you have to do is join our brand new text club. Text game to three three seven two eight 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 one zero zero. Text game to two eight eight eighty one hundred, and you will be eligible to win an Apple Watch. But not only that. A ton, put yourself in the hat to win a ton of other great prizes, including Astro tickets and more. It's the Game Text Club. Find out more by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. 
today. Before we wrap up our footnote summer project with UL basketball this week, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Hey, that's what I want to talk about. Okay. Okay, yeah, you talked about the Tim Floyd disappointing losses. Well, to me, the one that ranks the top was the first conference game. I think it was the 89-90 season uh, when uh, well, virtually a sellout crowd in the Cajuns don't watch the privateers and the Cajuns play. The privateers won the close game. Yes. And um, the reason I think that was so disappointing because it was more than one loss. If the Cajuns were on the verge of being ranked at that time, they had only lost one game or maybe were undefeated. And uh, the loss basically cut the team's confidence where they ended up having a losing conference record. Went from beginning of January to being on the verge of being ranked to not even getting in postseason play. The way the privateers played, that you mentioned, very aggressive, uh, was a demonstration to the other teams in the league how to play the Cajuns. I, I remember once uh, Marty Fletcher said in that game his kids were trying too hard because of the large crowd. They were trying so hard to make the, the play the crowd get behind them instead of playing with maybe got out of the way to fundamentals. So that was a huge loss. Um, now, in, in retrospect, though, it showed Marty he needed to bring in defensive players. That loss brought in uh, players like Cedric um, Son Griggs and Cedric Maggion were defensive right. players, which led to the success of 92 and 94, which they did get into the playoffs. And the final point on Tim Floyd, uh, you're right, you know, he taught his players how to play aggressive. I know Cindy Grider once told me that the UNO players were really good at holding you off the ball, trying to get to your pick where you can get open shots. You yes. couldn't get to your spot because they'd hold you, and they did it in such a way that the rest wouldn't call it. But eventually that caught up with Tim Floyd. A lot of people don't know this. He applied for the job here when Coach Marlin was selected. Uh, for whatever reason, David Walker chose him. Maybe he saw that Tim Floyd's style of play was not Yeah, the 90s, the 90s ended. The 90s ended, yeah. He got fired at UTEP because his style just didn't work anymore. No, yes. So those are my comments. Just let you respond to how bad a loss that was. And, you know, and I, I agree. You know, that, I, that was the game that I had my first date with Michelle that I was talking about earlier. I absolutely agree with you on that one. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Another uh, thing about UNO, and this is pre-Tim Floyd, we talked about when Rich was there yesterday about the great 81-82 season where they won the great Alaskan shootout um, beating George Towns, et cetera. But the Cages came home. They were like 8-0, 9-0, ranked, I don't know, 14th, 15th in the country. And then it was a weekday game. The game that they came home, they played UNO, got beat 70-65. to Just frustrating. Well, it was a little more than that. They had won the Bayou Classic the Friday and Saturday night before that, and the UNO game was on the Monday right after that. Oh. So, so that was I wasn't at that game for whatever reason. I had just moved to New Orleans yeah. then. Yeah. And later on that season, the Cajuns beat them. That, that private, well, whatever it is, private the arena, uh, yeah. on a last second just jump shot by Alonzo Allen. Yes. There were a lot of Cajun fans there, and basically it was really sweet because basically the opposing team stormed the court of a victory on a road game. So that was a lot of fun to make up for that loss. Yes. So, yeah. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. Well, that loss was was some was some damaging. All right. So I'm going to go number ten. The uh, the seventy three seventy two overtime loss at the end of the eighty five season when we to Tech, which we thought was going to be the last game, and then the NIT smiled on the Cajuns. The seventy eight seventy five loss to Georgia, the first ever game in the Cajun Dome. That was that was all. of course we still had hopes that UL was going to be good. It, it turns out that that team wasn't just very good. But in the moment, that was. That was awful. Um, 
Then I'll do uh, eight, that UNO loss he was just talking about, 89, 87 in overtime in uh, January of 1990. The 61-57 loss after that 82, at the end of that 82 season in the NCAA tournament, 61-57 to Tennessee. The Notre Dame loss, seven in, in, the, um, in the Big Apple in the, um, the semifinals of the NIT Final Four. The Rutgers loss that we talked about in 83 in the NCAA tournament when the Cages were leading at half and then just had a disastrous second half and and blew a chance to be able to play against um, the number one overall seat, St. John's. Um, number five, that Louisville game that Rich brought up, that Bandit uh, talked about uh, 88-84 and 72 when uh, Bolomar was was taken out and did not play the second half in an NCAA game. Um, the, the 2000, known by a lot of people as the Brett Smith foul game, uh, lost to Tennessee in the, in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Then number two, the 85, and which would have been number one, but we had so much support, even Rich said, the New Mexico State one. So I'll do the NIT game where they were up by five with 23 seconds uh, in, in second round of the NIT to Tennessee at number two and then number one, the New Mexico State game, where, again, I'd have to look it up, but the, the Cajuns shot like five or six free throws, and New Mexico State shot like 35, 36, 37 free throws or something. It was just they, – they got – it was a it was not a fairly officiated game uh, in that game, and um, Cajuns had a chance if they had won that game to go advance to the Sweet 16 where they'd have played UCLA, so – We'll put that as as number one. A lot of a lot of great victories, but a lot of frustrating losses for sure. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the show and the week of footnotes next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. As we go into a kind of a baseball weekend, obviously still a lot of NBA free agent talk. We talked a little bit about earlier when Rockefeller called. I, I not a big fan of acquiring Kevin. I mean, acquiring Durant just because it's not that he's a bad player. He still could play at an elite level if healthy, potentially. But what are you going to have to give up? And is it going to be worth it? And then you're in trouble if he gets hurt or gets alienated. I mean, it's just just a mess. Uh, You know, it's so weird, the whole trading process in the – and in the NBA, they got so many rules, and it's so structured, which I guess is good on one hand. But when you try to make a trade, I I, I sure hope for the Pelicans' sake they don't they don't try to do that. It, I think you're just asking for trouble. And, and plus, if you win the way they've got things going right now, it just will be it will it will be so much more fulfilling, and I think it's 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 safer. I mean, it's possible you could speed up the process if if you if you get Durant and everything goes perfect. That's possible, but there's so much that can go wrong, and then you just you know you're just asking for frustration. So 
let's hope that doesn't happen. So some people will still be talking about that. Um, but a lot, you know, obviously um, be the Red Sox play the Yankees this weekend. So nationally, that's kind of where the focus is going to be. Uh, the Red Sox got down 5 nothing last night. Gave up a grand slam and then a solo homer back-to-back. Josh Donaldson hits a grand slam to center, and, and Hicks follows up with a home run to right uh, into the bullpen. And, and – and, and and Garrett Cole's on the hill, and then and then boom, boom, boom. They you know they they get right back in it, but then they drop a pop up. It, it is you know Jules, who we haven't heard from in a while, made the comment of I don't know a month or so ago, maybe even a little longer, beginning of the season. How in the world do they have Franchi Cordero as their first baseman? It is kind of incredible that Franchi Cordero is still having to play a lot of first base for the Red Sox, and it would not sh- – I mean, I don't know exactly who's available first base-wise. I guess there's, you know, a lot of teams – I mean, I'm sure there's a middle-of-the-road first baseman the Red Sox can acquire who's maybe a little better than Franchi Cordero. But, uh, you know, so we'll see if they could do that. But, no, the again, I, I think the mo- – the, in terms of the impact that it had, the least talked the, the the decision that Rizzo made to go to the Yankees instead of the Red Sox um, was just huge, and, and it's had huge impact on both franchise. Rizzo might be the toughest out on the on the Yankees team. He's 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 still got a lot of good at bats, and and he's much better defensively than Franchi Cordero is. So. We'll see how it all plays out. And then Astros are on the West Coast. Appreciate all the phone calls this weekend, contributions. And, um, you know, when we come back, it's going to be double digit, double digits in June. I mean, in July. And so a week from today, we'll be, the, we'll be smack dab in the middle of July and uh, be, you know, be heading into an, the all-star break. And then NFL training camp on the other side. And then um, we'll also be heading into SEC media days that following weekend, a week from today. So lots of things to look forward to. And, again, we'll be talking with with Raymond and, and Miguez will be in Atlanta and we'll be doing live reports and really kicking things off. And then the week after that will be Sunbelt Conference media day. So it's getting um, getting really close to that football season that Rockefeller and a lot of you are really, really, really looking forward to. I'm hoping to get some more Astro victories between now and then. We'll see how that plays out. And no COVID. We didn't touch on that, but they got a potential COVID issue there That's with the Astros, which is not, not good. We'll keep an eye on that. All right. Appreciate all y'all phone calls. Have a nice weekend.